You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, for the first episode of 2021, I have Julie Richards. Welcome to Max's Island, Julie. Thanks, Tony. So, Julie, as I tell all our guests, and it's important to just remind the listeners, you're going to tell us a story today of that time in your life where you did something dramatic. You made a decision that perhaps went against the grain, against your better interest, against some advice you may have had, but you did it for all the right reasons because you wanted to do it. What's that story? Tony, that would be the day I quit my job and decided to take on Numero full-time. And I'll have to tell you in a moment what Numero is, but take it on full-time and work for myself, which was something I swore I would never do. It's amazing <laughs> that a lot of my guests, the pivotal moment is around quitting jobs making those dramatic moves and it's surprising how virtually everybody who takes that positive stance fall on their feet so did you fall on your feet it was the best decision i ever made tell us a little bit about what it meant to start this business and you mentioned the product numero okay uh numero is a mental maths card game it's used in schools right throughout wa uh, and in eastern states in some schools even some schools overseas but it's a game that is amazing for kids in schools i was working for the publishing company that were publishing it and that company changed hands it was a fabulous job i was repping for them plus i was doing numero when they changed hands it was obvious to me that the writing was on the wall numero was not going to be looked after the way it needed to be it wasn't going to benefit kids the way it was so an opportunity came for me to take it on myself and that's what I did. I quit my job and I took it on. When you say you took it on yourself, is that the teaching of it, the selling of it, all of the above? All of the above and more. Numero is owned by a charity. It's owned by Alzheimer's WA. Around about the time or not long after the company I was working for went under new management, Alzheimer's were also going through a change of focus if you like and they had broken away from the National Association and they were becoming independent 
And as part of that process, they actually were closing off all their contracts with people with the intention of reviewing them all and re-signing those they wanted to and renegotiating where they needed to. They actually, being the owner of Numero, contacted the publishing company and gave the six months notice of their contract expiring. To me, that was my opportunity that then I quit my job and I went to Alzheimer's and I asked them if they would take me on as the publisher. And that's what I did. I've taken over the publishing, distribution, teaching, promotion, everything that is anything to do with Numero. So the question needs to be asked, <laughs> why did you do it? What's so important that would you would, was it just a business opportunity or was there something more to it that you decided that you would go to Alzheimer's and say, I want, trust me, I want to take this on? Oh, two answers to that. Was it just a business opportunity? No, I don't make as much money as I used to. Was it the right decision? Absolutely, yes. And the reason for that was my father invented Numero. How long ago? Uh, tw nearly 28 years ago. And he taught it. He'd been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. He invented the game. We realised how good it was. He started promoting it through the schools and we realised it was just going to keep going. He then gifted the game to Alzheimer's WA. So they actually have owned the game for something like 26 years. And during that time, the other company has published it on their behalf and royalties have continued to go to RIC. At the time that I saw it going downhill, I could see those royalties weren't going to happen and I couldn't let my dad's game go. I'd been teaching it from the outset. I'd helped dad get the very first packs of Numero printed. I'd been there from the start and I wanted to be there right through and I didn't want it to be at the end because so, the end's not there yet. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions. So, and, and this is more about the game than your dad and the story. And we can yep. talk more about your dad and the story um, shortly. Did the game change much in the early years or was the sort of like the first prototype pretty much as it stands today? The very first game ha has not changed at all other than when the first slots were printed, they did not have fractions in. This is a mental maths game that uses all sorts of operations for students, you know, subtraction, addition, multiplication, etc., and now goes right through to fractions and indices. The very first pack didn't, and they were bought separately. Now every pack comes with everything. But other than that, nothing has changed since the day it was invented. So what was your dad's background that he would invent a maths, mental maths game? Dad was our Uniting Church minister. He actually failed high school maths, <laughs> would you believe? He... He was diagnosed, when he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, he was told to go home, get his affairs in order and wait to die. And they were pretty much verbatim what the neurologist told him at the time. How old um, was he at that time? I think it was about 54, 56. Mm, very very young, young. Very young. When he went home and got over the shock of it all and we got through, he had to retire his job because he was, at the time, he was the minister at Lake Grace, which for those that know the region, is actually the largest area covered by car in Australia. Anything bigger is covered by light aircraft. So it was a huge parish. He was told he couldn't work anymore. So we, he got a house up in Perth. He, they retired to Perth. And to keep him as mentally stimulated as we could, what we did was my nephews would go around and play games with him after school just about every day. And one day he just had an epiphany. And he just said, I've got an idea for a game that the kids would like to play. It was purely invented to play with his grandkids. 
until we saw how good it was and said, well, actually, Dad, I think this needs to go a bit further. And so the family got together, we supported him, we got it introduced elsewhere. He does have a teaching background, but he was a sports master, not a maths teacher. But he was always very, very good at maths. To make it into a commercial opportunity, I guess it's the story's a bit like many um, home-based entrepreneurs. It was all done at the kitchen table and... Um, or in the back games room on the pool table. Yeah, there you go. Yep, that's what we had. And we had boxes and shelving all the way around the room. We had volunteers from Rotary and Soroctimus Club and church groups that would come and help pack cards and fold boxes. We had a blind man that used to come and fold all the boxes because he could do it by feel. It was very much a charity community thing. And it took Dad a couple of years to pay back the money he borrowed to get the first few thousand packs printed. And they were printed locally? They were printed locally. Then when it started to get too big for him to manage, and he used to go and do workshops and present it to schools and teach teachers, with my mum by his side prompting him every time he forgot something. And then it got too much for him. For a short time, uh, my sister did some of those workshops because she's also a trained teacher. All the family pitched in with all the other jobs, but there were certain things that only only we could do. And then about oh, seven, eight years, no, seven years I worked with that publishing company, so it'll be about ten years ago now, I pretty much took it on as far as the promotion through the company that I was working with. And from there, it just kept growing. And, and, and that's growing within the school environment primarily? Absolutely. Uh, we've got schools, as I said, all over the state playing it. I'm in negotiations with schools in the Pilbara now to get up there in May, June this year. But we have inter-school competitions that have 80 primary schools in WA involved. So it is big, but we want to make it bigger. And is it all based at primary school level or the high schools get involved? It used to be predominantly primary school, but certainly secondary right up to year 10. It is used in year 11, 12 vocational classes, but generally we say up to year 10. So what's the educational advantage of the game? You know, because I guess this is a great combination of a game that allows kids to learn. What's the one thing that you would say that is makes the game unique, that gets kids happily playing it, but they also learn by? Okay, the, the thing that sells it to teachers is that it is basically a mental mass program in, in and of itself. So whereas you would know kids go to school and they work through mental mass books and they'll do 10 or 15 minutes of a mental mass workbook to start the day. You play 10 minutes of numero, you do 10 minutes of numero and you'll do more mental mass than you'll do in a week of mental mass books. Mm. And on top of that, from a teacher's perspective, you get the differentiation that you can have kids playing at a basic level and in the same class you can have those kids that are at a higher maths ability with extra cards in their pack, playing at a higher level. So you can have them playing right through the various spectrums of the ability level of those kids in the one classroom. And is it hard to learn? Easy to learn. Absolutely, very easy to learn. Three golden rules and that's it. If you don't break those three golden rules and what you're doing is mathematically correct, you can pretty much do what you like. How many cards in a pack? Okay, the starting, when you first start to play, there's 60 cards. It does get up to 89 once you slowly, as your ability level rises. What we say to teachers is that you play with all the cards they're comfortable with and one or two to challenge them. When they get comfortable with those one or two, you give them a couple more and it keeps going until they build up their ability level with all the extra wild cards. 
that increases their skills with numero, but that in turn increases their understanding in the maths classroom anyway, because everything is transferable to all your other maths lessons. So two questions, how long does a game take and how does it go with the curriculum? Oh, it fits the curriculum. Okay, we have a whole page on our net, on our website that does all the curriculum linking so teachers can see every area of maths that it hits. I've got loads of schools that uh, are very strict, but they actually have maths in their maths curriculum. They have numeracy situated that every class in their whole school has to play numeracy every week, at least once a week in their classroom, usually a couple of times. Ideally, it should be played as a five or ten minute lead-in. You can play a really good game in ten minutes. So the idea is to do that. And then you'll have other classes that will have a half-hour session once a week. So, Julie, just coming back to your dad, it obviously was a significant part of his life. The link with Alzheimer's, how supportive have they been over the years? Alzheimer's have been amazing. They did a lot to help mum and dad. Um, I've always... I still attend all the uh, Alzheimer's fundraisers. We have a lot to, to support. They come to my competitions every year and speak to the children about how important um, mental health is and keeping your brain active, uh, brain fitness, all of that sort of thing is discussed with the, with the students. Everybody knows that royalties from Numero go to that. It was really important to Dad. His, his whole philosophy when he came up with Numero, once we knew how good it was, was that he didn't need the money. Don't get me wrong, he was not rich by any means. They just had what they needed. And he said it might as well go to somewhere where it was needed. All of his family, all us kids had our own lives. With six kids, he wasn't going to go there. It was way easier to give it to Alzheimer's. And it's benefited them. It's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last 20-odd years. And it continues to raise money for them. And that was the other thing. By me taking it on, I can make sure they still benefit from it, which is was very important to mum and dad and it's obviously still important to all my family because all my family still support what I do. Do you think there's an opportunity that older people play it, especially those that may be suffering from early onset dementia and, and some other uh, there are actually There are actually aged homes that um, do play regular numero sessions. There used to be a group in the Trinity Arcade in Perth that used to have a weekly numero meeting. So it does happen. It is another market we'd like to get into even more. It's one of those things, as soon as you can teach it, I have a lot of parents come to me buying it for their kids and then buying a pack to teach their parents for the same reason is that they want to keep their parents around longer. Because it might be worth noting that my dad was only really given a couple of years and thanks to Numero, we kept him for 23 years. So, so it does play a part. Julie, you've been running the business for a little while now. What do you see the future? We just sort of touched on um, the aged care market perhaps or the the, um, yep. the elders market. What do you see the future for it, not only within schools but also in, in other markets? Well, I've had it for three years now and it has grown. I'd like it to grow more. Obviously, the easiest market, well, I say easy but nothing's easy, but the easiest market to start with was WA. I'm slowly trying to get into Eastern States markets. I've also got uh, a few schools. I've even got a little school in Paris playing it regularly. Um, she rings me every few months and buys a few more packs. So slowly we're getting into overseas schools. Aside from that, there's aged care. There's also the area I'm trying to get into a lot of our remote communities because one of the things up there that was also close to my dad's heart, so it's also become a big part of mine, is that 
games is a really good way to get into those communities. It's something the children up there love. But again, it's an expensive exercise to get up there. That's actually something I'm planning on at the moment and I'm working on trying to get into the remote communities. In fact, I had quite a few booked last year and then COVID hit. <laughs> so we're trying to redo it now. But yes, yeah, so it's, it's predominantly education, but definitely aged care, um, retirement villages. And a lot of them have it, but it's getting them into as many as we can. You must be very proud to be able to keep your dad's legacy living on. Absolutely. How visible is that legacy to the kids that play? How do you tell the story to those kids? Pretty much how I told you. We often sit down. In fact, teachers always ask me to tell the story because it helps the children connect to it as well. And I have had so many... I've had little girls in tears come up to me and tell me that their grandmother has Alzheimer's because I do tell them what Alzheimer's is. We discuss it. I tell them this is how it came apart so that they understand that anyone that buys Numero is actually ultimately helping Alzheimer's as well. Obviously, I have a business and I have to make some money, but there's a royalty component. And it's really good that the kids know that. If anyone looks on my website, there's straight away the history of the website. Competitions, there's always a picture of my parents there. There's always promotional material of Alzheimer's. We very publicly support Alzheimer's in any way we possibly can. And everybody knows that my father invented it. It's something I'm supremely proud of. And if I go to a school, the kids, funnily enough, think that's pretty cool that they've got the daughter of the inventor. I mean, I'm nothing special, but they think it's cool. Julie, do you think there's opportunities for spin-off games? That means you'd have to start to invent something. To be honest, I don't think I could. (laughs) And there's no need to. The beauty with this is that you can actually play a solitaire version of it anyway, already now, which I teach. So we can play at school in pairs. You can play competitions. We do individual challenges. We do solitaire games so you can play on your own. I sit on the plane playing solitaire numero, which again keeps my brain active. My maths is better now than when I left high school. But it seriously, it doesn't, I don't think, needs a spin-off game. There is one thing I'd like to do. It's still my dream is to get an app. But I've been told it's harder than doing a chess app because of the amount of moves available in the game. So it's something I'm looking on. That's probably my next dream. Julie, you have talked about the competitions in school, so I'm just interested. How do they work? Is it four aside, eight aside, ten aside? Okay. What we have, and these have been around for over 20 years as well, these competitions. Dad started them and I was the scorer and slowly I've been promoted up to presenting and I rope in retired teachers to do all the volunteer work for me. So we have teachers that are very well versed in numero. What we have is we have teams of four and those four students represent their school. Each school can can register up to four teams. Can't always guarantee they'll get them because it's starting to get harder to get teams in. We currently have 12 heats in the primary school. And of those 12 heats, we have four kids, we have four heats. uh, Sorry, four events within each. First event is where they do individual challenges. So using the skills of numero but without the cards, doing it in written form. So this is where we get the translation from a card game to written form. So this is how it really fits your curriculum. So they do an individual work. They have three rounds of this. Then they do a team one where they have to work together using cards and paper to really work together as a team to give one solution to the scorers. And we have a few rounds of that. Then they play individual games against a student from another school. Those games you mentioned before about how long a game takes, they get 10 minutes per game are two games of 10-minute games. 
And it's amazing how far through a pack. A lot of the kids will have their packs completely finished by the end of that 10 minutes. So they do play quick. And then we have a scramble at the end. The scramble is like a big relay with big book cards on big pin-up boards. And it sounds like a football game. It is very, very loud. We have 12 of those heats through the year and then a grand final. So that's just opened up a whole <laughs> lot of questions. The competitions, who invented that? In, in Dad terms invented of that. All the different levels. Dad was an incredible man and he had Alzheimer's, but it didn't stop him. Certainly for the first several years, he was still very capable. As long as he had support, everything was written down and detailed carefully. And my competitions are run exactly the same way as Dad did back then. And I still use the same, and I can't think of the word, but it's a formula, if you like, for who plays who, random selections. So everything is completely random. There's no grading. I don't know who's in what team. Every team that registers, it's all random. And uh, it hasn't changed since the day Dad invented it. For a team to win... They get points on each challenge. They get points for games won. They get points for how many cards they've won. It just all compiles together. It's it's quite a strict formula, which is explained to all the schools. And uh, we have amazing scorers who sit there and mark. If you can imagine, there's 18 teams. So there's 72 kids, three rounds of 72 sheets of paper just for the first of those four events. And it's all done in three and a half hours. Wow. It's actually quite, it's a huge feat. The preparation is unbelievable. But that's my give back. We don't charge the schools. That's that's become the labour of love. So my income is from doing presentations to schools to teach them how to play. And my return to them to thank them for their commitment to Numero is to run these events every year. Now, registrations didn't officially open till February. I already had my first registration before school went back this year, ready, and the competition is not until fourth term. Is that families and kids that have played it last year want to play it again? No, this is the school's the registration. Schools they can only be registered via a school. Wow. Mind you, in saying that, I have had an inquiry from homeschools. If they want to get a team of four players together and put in a homeschool team, I'll take that too. That's a good idea but because there's been a lot more of that in the last year or so. And there's a lot of homeschoolers that play it. Yeah. So that's another thing. But generally it's been a school puts in their teams and we work with the schools directly, but that's our give back to the schools for their commitment through the year. What do the teachers say? Interested in, in, in that because obviously, you know, we talked about being fitting in with the curriculum and the opportunity for the kids to do their mental maths in a slightly different environment than they perhaps would do if they were just doing it in a book. Um, but what, what do the teachers think about it from a way of teaching? Look, it's one of those things, numero needs to be taught properly. Once it is taught... There's no going back. So I find a lot of my teachers now are teachers that have been playing numero for over 20 years. No matter what school they go to, no matter what year they teach, they will teach it at the appropriate level for that school and for those students. They will tell you the best thing about it is it's engaging to the kids because there's a lot of kids who don't like maths. And in fact, one of my opening lines when I walk in and I've got 30 or 40 kids staring at me and I'm standing up there with cards and a whiteboard is I say to them, look, who likes maths? And I'll get maybe half the class put their hands up. So great, you're going to love this game. So the rest of you, you don't like maths? And I'll say, no. I'll say, fine, it's all right. Then this is the best way and the most fun way you'll get to do the maths that you don't like so you'll have fun too. Because that's it. Even kids that don't like maths 
will love playing numero and that's what the teachers like about it. Yeah, so it's fully inclusive of everybody. Everybody participates Absolutely. at their own level. And it will also include those children with special needs. Even in a classroom setting, that solitaire that I mentioned, and I have been a special needs EA before I was a teacher, so I've worked with those children. And you'll get some children who can't work with partners at certain times because of their conditions or because of ways they're feeling on certain days. They can actually play numero on their own in the classroom, still feel part of the class, but doing it in what is considered a safe way for them. So it can be used in that area. It's used in remedial classes, like use remedial students at educational risk, so it helps those. We can use it in extension classes. It's used in intensive English centres because that encourages the children to speak English about maths. So all those different areas, and that's what the teachers like, is that it is completely suitable for any scenario. Well, I'm so pleased, Julie, to think that you've taken on this for your family in respect of the legacy of your dad. And it's great that schools and and young people uh, not only can improve their math, but hear about a story of a man who has done something for all the right reasons and it's still continuing on into the future. So um, congratulations to you. Now, I give some of my guests the opportunity to put a plug in feel free to plug your website there might be some school teachers listening out there or 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 parents who want to get their uh, kids who might be struggling with maths an easy way for them to get engaged um, or even talk to their own school teachers um, to see whether they will put into the class so give us a plug Okay. Well, I'd love anybody to visit the website, which is numero.org. If you look on the history and the endorsements, you'll find out all you need to know about the game. Also the Facebook page, Independent Education and Training Proprietary Limited, the shortcut being at Numero WA. If you go there, lots of clips for those individual people you're talking about as well as teachers. I am on Instagram and Twitter, but get onto the Facebook page is the key one. You'll see everything that's happening and individual parents, Give me a call anytime. Julie, thanks for joining us on the island. I know your dad would be very proud and good luck for this year. Thanks, Tony. Much appreciated. We spoke on the bus on the way home from work. He was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur. Oh work and no play And how, how it had turned out this way He told me his plan A short-term escape Five weeks on the Bibbulmin track Go it alone, no one to blame If he finished or fell by the way
Phone 